In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and we are continuing in chapter 14 of St. Matthew's Gospel. You'll remember that last week we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000, and he's there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And so now we have uh, the, the, the activities that take place following the feeding, and we have a word here in St. Matthew's Gospel that we typically think of or associate with St. Mark's Gospel. That word is immediately. That's a word that St. Mark uses over and over again. Immediately Jesus did this and immediately he did that. It's an urgency that we see in St. Mark's Gospel. And we're seeing it here in Matthew where we see this urgency in Jesus' ministry. But we're seeing it in kind of a strange place, I think. What Jesus is doing is he immediately sends the disciples away after the feeding. He sends them to cross the sea again uh, to the other side. And while the disciples are crossing the sea, Jesus disperses the crowd. And we kind of get the sense that he's dispersing them in this compassionate way and the way that he gathered them, that he's continuing to minister to them, that he's continuing to teach them and to heal them as he uh, sends them out. And then what Jesus does is he goes and he praise to the Father. And this is not something that we typically associate with urgency. We think of that going apart by ourselves to pray as something that we do when we have the time. It's something we do when we find an opportunity. But rarely do we have that understanding that we with urgency are going to seek the Lord. That with urgency we're going to our closets to pray. With urgency we're seeking out the Father to determine His will. And that's what Jesus does. With urgency He's going uh, apart to the Father to pray. And then we read that he goes to the disciples and he appears to them again manifesting himself, making himself known as creator God. Just as he did in the feeding of the 5,000, this is a miracle that evidences him as being God, creator of heaven and earth. When he appears to them on the waves and when he walks on water, he is again appearing to them as the God that creates the heaven and the earth. Only the God who made water can walk on it. And St. Job tells us that. Job in his uh, writing says that the, the God who makes the heaven and the earth walks upon the waters. And so Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy of Job's. He is describing here that this is creator God who is walking on water. And that's how Jesus presents himself again, revealing himself as the God who made heaven and earth. And he chooses this very important time to do it. He chooses the fourth watch. In the Jewish world, there were three watches. There was that evening, uh, that early evening, and there was the middle of the night, and then there was that uh, early morning. Uh, in the Roman world and the Greek world, there were four watches. These are especially military-style watches. So you had uh, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., you had 9 p.m. to midnight, midnight to 3 a.m., and then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's the fourth watch. And the fourth watch is very important. That's when all the really great stuff happens. That's why so many of us are woken up at that time between 3 and 6, right? The Lord is, is revealing himself to us just as he did to the disciples and to the women at the tomb, right? It's that early morning hour from 3 to 6, and Jesus walks on the water and he reveals himself to them and he stills the water again revealing himself as the creator of heaven and earth that he that he quiets the water and then he even gives peter the ability to walk to him 
on that water. All that Jesus does, appearing to them, healing, feeding, uh, walking on water, all that is Jesus having compassion on his people. He has compassion on the crowds. He has compassion on the disciples. He loves them. He cares about them. He's bringing himself to them. Everything that he does is out of love and compassion. It's out of mercy and a desire for good for his people. Everything that God does. And this is what Jonah doesn't like about God. I love Jonah. I can relate to Jonah. I have trouble relating to some of the other prophets. Jonah I get. Jonah was a nationalist. He didn't want to go to the Ninevites. He didn't like the Ninevites. Who were they? Jonah is part of that northern kingdom of Israel. You remember that after Solomon and Rehoboam, the the nation of Israel is split. There's the northern kingdom of Israel, and there's the southern kingdom of Judah where Jerusalem is. And so that northern kingdom survives for a couple of hundred years, even though they fall away from the Lord. They're constantly being battered and they're being torn into by the Assyrians, this great empire to the north of them. And the capital of Assyria at that time was Nineveh. Nineveh was this huge ancient city, this huge people group with great power and strength. And the Lord's saying, go to your arch enemies, go to the people who have been murdering you and stealing from you and threatening your safety and eventually who destroy the northern nation of Israel, go to them and preach repentance, preach God's justice that they might receive mercy. And Jonah says, no way. I don't like them. They've been destroying your people. And so he goes away from them. He goes away from Nineveh. And of course, the Lord brings him back through this miraculous work of the fish, right? This great whale that that swallows Jonah. And this should immediately remind us of Jesus. Because Jesus says that the only way, the only sign that you're going to have that I am the Messiah is the sign of Jonah. You remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're always coming to Jesus and saying, show us a sign, feeding the 5,000 wasn't enough. Feeding the 4,000, raising people from the dead wasn't enough. They kept saying, show us a sign. And Jesus says, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Where was Jonah? He was in hell. There's no more dead than you can get than in the ocean, under the water, in a fish. That's dead. That's wrapped up in death. And from that place, from that place of death, Jonah instead of cursing God, says, you're right, and I'm wrong. Mercy is good. Worshiping the idols is bad. Salvation is only with you. So in death, in suffering, he proclaims the goodness of God. He unites his heart to God's mercy. And then God says, okay, now you're ready to go and do the work that I've given you to do. And he sends him out to bestow mercy. This is the miracle of baptism, by the way. This is the miracle of the Holy Spirit. The miracle is that our hearts become transformed so that we desire mercy the way God does. That's the miracle that happens to us. That's why we're fed with His body and blood and Holy Communion. That's why He gives it to us, because He's changing our hearts to be merciful hearts. And we see that evidence with St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. He says, I would die in order to save my brothers who have rejected Christ. Things were flipped for St. Paul. Now, it's the Assyrians, it's the Ninevites, it's the Gentiles who have acknowledged Jesus, who have acknowledged Him as the Messiah, and the Jews have this roadblock, right? They're like us. If we've been Christians for a couple of generations, we start to get a little uppity and think, well, we're pretty great people. 
Look at how great we are. Look at all the great stuff we've done. Right? And we start to think that we deserve some of God's mercy. Right? That we deserve some of his good things. And this is what happened to the Jews. They start to say, hey, we've got Abraham. We've got generations of righteousness. We dress the right way. We talk the right way. We read all the right books. Right? They start to give themselves credit for God's glory and for his mercy. And St. Paul's saying, no, to receive it, we have to lower ourselves. Like Jesus says in the Beatitudes, to be merciful, to be poor in spirit, right? To receive his grace. And St. Paul is saying, they're not recognizing the Messiah, and I would die that they would. See, St. Paul's heart has been transformed so that he's participating in the gospel. He's saying, I'm ready to take up my own cross. I'm ready to die for those that I love. And that is what Jesus means by taking up your cross and following him. To be ready to participate in mercy and to show love through self-sacrifice. That's what that means. Isn't it crazy that he let them be in that boat? With that big storm? He could have stopped that. It could have been a nice glassy sea. A nice smooth ride home. Why wouldn't he just give them what's easy? Why wouldn't God just make our lives easy? Isn't that the promise when we're baptized? Your life is great? No problems after that? No! The only way we get strong is through resistance. Right? If the resistance is low, our strength is low. The only way that we can have courage is if we get afraid. And we do what we're supposed to do anyways. If we're never afraid, we never have the chance to have courage. If we never have to wait, we never get patience. Are you following me? The only way that we develop virtue is through suffering. So the Lord allows us to suffer with His grace so that we can overcome and come through and we can have all those blessings of virtue, those strengths of righteousness that He would build in us. He would purify us and make us a holy people. You know, Nineveh is right across the river from Mosul. Mosul is a city in northern Iraq that just about three years ago got pretty much wiped out by ISIS and just barely freed again from tyranny. Talk about a hard place to be a Christian. We don't get a lot of room to complain when we compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters worshiping the Lord in Nineveh, Mosul, in northern Iraq. And the Syrian Christians that have been there for thousands of years worshiping the Lord, keep a feast and a fast of St. Jonah every year. They fast every year for thousands of years to remind themselves of God's promises when it feels like we're in hell at the lowest. To remember that His mercy is great and that He is preparing us to become merciful and righteous with Him. May we keep that fast of St. Jonah. May we be merciful in our hearts towards our enemies. And may we proclaim the righteousness of the Lord in the face of danger and of great waves. Keeping our eyes upon the Lord as St. Peter did, that we might rise above 
and that we might have his peace and his grace.